Hey everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today I'm excited to talk about part two of cultivating spiritual unity in marriage. And specifically, we're going to be talking about how prayer strengthens marriage. This is such an important lesson for any married couple to learn. And I know that for Eric and myself, we didn't really understand the significance of prayer, especially how prayer would impact our marriage until several years into our marriage. We had been in ministry for quite a few years and were really under a lot of attack from the enemy, but we didn't realize we were under attack. We were just battling all sorts of problems and difficulties constantly. We had financial challenges. We had health challenges. We had betrayal from people we had trusted, loads of of distractions and pressures and problems. And we had always sort of thought the best way that we could handle those things would be to just sort of thank God for the trials and, and move on the best we can and try to have a good attitude through them. But there was a certain point in time when Eric and I both began to awaken to the importance of real prayer, wrestling prayer, and standing strong against the attacks of the enemy in our lives through prayer. And there was a specific moment that I remember when I was laying in bed and I was sick. I had been dealing with sickness off and on for a couple of years, but it seemed like every time I was needing to speak or be on stage or use my voice, I would get some kind of laryngitis or some kind of sickness that would impact my voice, or I would just feel horrible where I could not do the ministry that God had called me to do. And we had always just sort of accepted that, just kind of prayed, okay, God, if you want to heal Leslie, then heal her. But it was more of a wimpy type of praying. And then one night, Eric just began to rise up and understand that he needed to take authority over the enemy's attacks against me. And we needed to begin really, really praying together as a couple, not just in sort of a a dutiful way, but in a passionate way together. And so he began to pace around the room and he began to rebuke the enemy in the power of Jesus' name. He began to really cry out to God on behalf of our life and our ministry and our marriage. And it was really a turning point. From that point forward, we began to really look at what, what scripture says about prayer and about rising up against the attacks of the enemy in our lives. And I remember a passage in James that really stood out to us. It says, submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And up until then, we really hadn't considered resisting the enemy's attacks because we didn't really know they were attacks. We had seen all of our trials as things that were coming from God, which is really why we didn't pray much about them other than to just thank God and try to move on with with our lives the best we could. But as we began to dig deeper into God's word, we realized that there is a huge difference difference between godly discipline for the sake of spiritual refinement and spiritual attacks by the enemy for the purpose of discouragement and hindrance from God's purposes in our lives. Maybe you can relate to that. There's something more than just a challenge or a trial of faith that you're going through, but you feel that the enemy is just hitting you over and over again and pushing you down and discouraging you and hindering you from what you know you're called to do. And if that's happening, God actually prescribes in scripture what he has called us to do in response. He doesn't want us to just roll over and play dead when the enemy attacks us. He wants to teach us how to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and to resist the devil. 
through the power of Jesus' name. So we begin to do that and take those steps in our marriage. We also begin to recognize that instead of just praying broad, general, wimpy kind of prayers, God wanted us to pray bold, specific, importunate prayers, prayers that could actually wage war on the kingdom of darkness, prayers that could give the enemy a run for his money. Now, this was sort of a foreign concept to us because we had never really engaged in any kind of spiritual warfare or prayed with any kind of real passion. I remember reading a quote from Charles Spurgeon around that time, and and he said, there is a general kind of praying which fails for lack of precision. It's as if a regiment of soldiers were to all fire off their weapons anywhere. Probably somebody would be killed, but the majority of the enemy would be missed. What a great perspective. That was the way that Eric and I had been used to praying for most of our married life, just unfocused, general, wimpy, ineffective prayers. And that night when Eric began to pace around the room and pray out loud, he began to go from praying general, wimpy prayers to praying the kind of prayers that you read about in scripture, the kind of prayers that God wants us to be praying. He began to rebuke the powers of darkness that were attacking me. He began to pray passionately for God's purposes to be accomplished in our lives, in our health, our marriage, our finances, our ministry, in our family. And that was really a turning point in our marriage, in our Christian lives. We were not going to passively sit by and let the enemy have his way. We were going to rise up in God's strength and enter the battle wearing the shield of faith and wielding the sword of the spirit. Now, this was not an easy transition to make because we had a lot of old habits of mediocrity in our prayer life that were hard to break. And to be honest, there were times when it did feel awkward to pray together out loud for longer periods of time with passion and boldness in front of someone else. But as we studied God's word, we began to realize this is how he intends us as believers to pray. And as we continue to just develop that discipline in our lives, we begin to sense the power of having two or more gathered in Christ's name, as Jesus said, and we begin to feel his presence in our midst. Now, as we begin to just push forward with this kind of praying, even when it felt awkward or tedious, and we begin to pray with faith and with spiritual fire, tremendous things begin to happen in our lives. Strength began to flow into our home, our marriage, and our ministry. And those relentless attacks from the enemy began to back off. We were able to start fulfilling God's call on our life without constantly hitting a brick wall. And we became spiritually offensive rather than spiritually defensive. One of the biggest results of praying this way was the impact that it had on our marriage. We weren't attending marriage conferences during this season. We weren't necessarily reading marriage books or going to marriage counseling or or doing any of the things that you would think, okay, this is really going to strengthen our marriage. But because we were praying together so consistently and so passionately, our communication, our intimacy had never been stronger. We were a unified team. We were touching the heart of God as a couple and wrestling for his purposes as a unified team. And the natural byproduct of that was a clearer sense of unified purpose, better communication between us, and a like-mindedness that carried throughout the entire day. Now that happened many years ago, but our marriage has never been the same since. Whenever things are becoming 
challenging or confused or blurry between us, when our unity seems to be wobbly, we always know what the solution is, coming before God's throne together in wrestling prayer. Nothing bonds our hearts together like the activity of pouring out our hearts to our King. And so if your marriage could use an infusion of strength, don't underestimate the power of prayer. It's so tempting to think, well, we need to go to marriage counseling. We need to go to a marriage seminar. We need to read all these books on marriage. Those things can be helpful. But if you're not praying together, you're really missing the core of what unifies you with your spouse and and keeps that Christ-centered focus between you. So if this is something that your marriage could really use, here are some practical ways that you can get started cultivating this. The first practical is to make what I call a sacred list. Now, you don't have to really call it a sacred list. It's really just a purposeful prayer strategy. That's what we called ours was a sacred list. It was really just a list of every area that was a struggle in our marriage or our ministry. It was all of the areas that we really needed a breakthrough in or we needed really important key wisdom for that area of our life and areas maybe where we felt defeated in, areas of constant struggle where we were always being attacked. So we made this list and we began to wrestle in prayer over each one of those things on our list until we began to see that breakthrough or have that sense that God was saying, it's okay to stop praying about this. I've heard your prayer. We've continued this pattern of having a sacred list or a purposeful prayer strategy for the past 10 years or so. Every night, we set aside time to lift these requests before God, and we continue to pray about them until we sense that that breakthrough has come. It has been amazing to see how God has worked in our marriage and our family and ministry as a result of having a purposeful prayer strategy together. It keeps us from falling into that pattern of just those general wimpy prayers because it keeps us focused on specific requests that we're bringing before God, no matter how big or small. We have prayed about everything from small issues like potty training and bedtime struggles with our kids when they were really little to major life decisions that impact thousands of people. And every time we have brought one of these things before God in prayer, he has always been faithful. Now, answers do not always come right away. It's not like like you make your sacred list and then you know a week later every single thing is just nicely wrapped up because sometimes God wants to stretch and grow our faith and teach us how to be importunate in our praying. He asks us to continue bringing our requests before him and not to waver and become discouraged when answers don't come right away. I often think of the woman from Canaan who asked Jesus to heal her daughter who was severely demon possessed. At first Jesus seems not to even hear her but she continues to cry out after him. Most of us stop right at that point where we don't really hear an answer, so we just give up praying. But she continued to cry out after him. And then he seems to be unwilling to grant her request. He says, you know, I wasn't sent to you. I was only sent to this group of people. But she continues to plead with him. And finally, he says to her, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And that is an incredible picture of perseverance in the face of seeming discouragement and disappointment. There's a famous quote that says, God may delay, but he always comes. And I found that to be so true, especially when it comes to this sacred list or purposeful prayer strategy. Now, it's not easy to continue praying diligently when you don't see immediate answers, but I have found that some of the greatest victories in prayer have come when I refuse to give up, and sometimes even in the face of seeming defeat, when we continue to cry out to God for victory. And often what at first appears to be defeat or maybe a closed door can turn into an incredible testimony 
of God's faithfulness if we simply continue to knock until the answer comes. So consider making a sacred list or a purposeful prayer strategy. And if you're not really sure what to put on that list, talk about it with your spouse and look at the areas of your life where you feel you need greater victory and really ask God to guide you of what you should be putting on that list and taking before him every single day in prayer. The second practical is not to consult your emotions. I love what Corey Ten Boom wrote, don't pray when you feel like it. Rather, have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. That is such amazing advice when it comes to prayer, especially praying with your spouse, because often unified prayer is not what we feel like doing, especially at the end of a long day or a long week. It's so much easier just to turn to a movie or some fun, relaxing activity. And again, those things are not always wrong, but when they're constantly taking the place of prayer, then they can get out of their place really quickly in our lives. When we set an appointment with God and honor it, no matter what our emotions may say, our souls are greatly benefited. Benefited. If we just make a habit of doing whatever we feel like rather than what God's Spirit is asking of us, then our relationship with Christ is going to suffer and our prayer life is going to wane. So instead of pursuing Christ with passion and devotion, we might just say a quick, short prayer out of obligation and then click on our computer because it's more interesting to scroll through Instagram than it is to be coming before God's throne in prayer. Instead of making personal sacrifices to set aside time, for prayer. It's so easy to give into just self-indulgence and laziness and then come up with justifications for why we're too busy to pray. But when we consult the spirit of truth instead of our own feelings, we make very different decisions in our daily lives, decisions that place God's priorities above our own wants. If you and your spouse have been letting your feelings or your emotions trump your commitment to spending time together in prayer, I encourage you to choose a different attitude all day long, especially when you first wake up in the morning because it sets the tone for the rest of the day. Instead of consulting your emotions with questions like, what do I want to get out of today? Or how can I avoid the discomfort of getting out of bed right now? Adopt a new mindset. Lord, this is your day. Show me how to use every moment for your glory. Now, even if you make that your goal is to have that attitude every morning, you may not have a mountaintop experience every time you pray and seek God. But if you learn to love him first as an act of your will, following his pattern and obeying him, whether you feel like it or not, your emotions will eventually fall into place. Soon, it will become your greatest delight to give your life to him, to come before him in prayer, and to echo the words of the psalmist who said, I delight to do your will. Oh my God, that's in Psalm 48. So when you and your spouse are thinking about praying together, don't just decide, well, do I feel like doing this right now? But ask the question, is this what God is calling us to? And I can guarantee you, God is always calling us to prayer. So it's always a good idea to choose prayer and ask him for the grace to put your emotions aside and simply develop the discipline of prayer as a step of obedience to him. The third practical is to be aware of the battle. This is so important because the enemy does not like it when you pray together with your spouse, and he will do anything in his power to distract you and convince you that you don't need to pray, you're too tired to pray, you're too busy to pray, or you can always pray later, but then later just sometimes never comes. It's so important to be on guard against those lies and be careful not to take the bait of the enemy. Usually when we least feel like praying is when we need prayer the most. Just like Nehemiah, when he was building the wall around Jerusalem, 
Jerusalem. He had to make that decision to ignore the verbal threats and the attacks of the enemies while he was building the wall. We need to choose to ignore the threats and the distractions of the enemy as we build a spiritual wall around our marriage and our family through prayer. It's also really important to be on guard against irritation, frustration, and arguments that arise with your spouse the moment that you decide to pray together. The enemy knows that if he can get you sidetracked with an argument or frustration, he can thwart your prayer session. Don't let him succeed. Call upon the grace of God to put aside your frustrations, ignore the temptation to bicker with your spouse, and forgive any offenses that have arisen and then get back to what's really important, which is praying together. Here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you on praying as a couple. If your spouse is not really on board with the idea of praying together as a couple, then don't despair. Start by making prayer one of the highest priorities in your own life. Make your own personal sacred list or purposeful prayer strategy, and at the very top of the list, ask God to change your spouse's heart towards prayer. Remember, don't nag, complain, or criticize to see him change in this area. Instead, pray. You'll be amazed at what God can do in your marriage and in your ability to pray together as a couple if you simply lay the situation at his feet in childlike faith and wrestle in prayer until the answer comes. This is a prayer that he loves to answer. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. For more about how to build a Christ-centered marriage, please visit us at setapartgirl.com and check out our Vibrant Marriage online course, which is really an in-depth look at how to build a Christ-centered marriage. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.